Yeah. <laughs> amen, amen. Yes. Round of applause for the praise and worship team. Yes, um, new members of the team, praise God. Eh? <laughs> all right, all right. I love it. I love the humble approach. He's like, didn't pretend. They're not clapping for me, they're not clapping for me. <laughs> yes, sir, that's what you want. Humility, amen, amen. Uh, we need it, we need it, praise God, yes. We was clapping for you, sir, yes, so he was. <laughs> Yes, amen. God is good. Amen. Brother Toby has a fresh new suit on this evening. All right. Gosh. Yes. <laughs> the doctor's in the house. Amen. God is good. Can you say amen in this place, sir? Come on now. All right. All right. We're going to be reading from Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. We're going to be reading a couple of verses of Scripture out of the Gospel of Luke. You know, I mentioned it in, in, in the prayer uh, before service. Uh, but we all know if you've, if you've uh, been watching the news, uh, you've been seeing the, the catastrophes, the pictures have been happening there about the earthquake in Turkey and Syria. It is like phenomenal of what's going on there. Like I said, this uh, the beginning of prayer, I think the toll I last checked was over 11,000 deaths, they're saying. Um, and unfortunately, they're saying that number is set to increase as they're digging through and seeing all of it. They're saying numbers of cities were flattened. I think I heard the figure of around 5,000 buildings were damaged. Just, just in an instant. And it happened at night time where everyone's in, inside the house usually, sleeping, finding place you know, of, of refuge. And then through the night, this the huge 7.8 on the scale uh, sh- just shook the entire land. I saw some videos. It was lasting more than a minute. Um, and if you think about you know, a minute, maybe long, but when it's shaking like that, it's, it's like forever. Things lost. People have lost. I saw some horrible things where they were uh, pulling out children, but obviously they, 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 the whole the child's family was all there. I saw. I think I saw my dad had told me about a, a newborn baby that was pulled out from the rubble. I mean, the, the mother had given birth uh, because of the shock. She went into labor, gave birth, and got buried. They had to pull the baby out and cut the umbilical cord. This is, what we're, this is what happened. And the stories are like that. And they're keeping going on and on and on. People talking about, oh, we're homeless. We haven't got nothing. haven't got a bed to sleep in. And it's winter time. It's going like minus five, minus six, no shelter. And, you know, disasters like this and other disasters around the world and, you know, you know, amidst all of the devastation, you can look at just just many things around the world. I think Pakistan had a massive flood not recently. Uh, you know, just when you look at things like this, uh, what it does amidst all the devastation and the horror and the pain, what it does is it puts things into perspective. I was talking to um, a, uh, a plumber that came around my house, and of course, you know, when news like this breaks out, that's, what, that's the, the talk of the, the, the town. But he said the same thing. He says it really puts life into perspective. And I said, absolutely it does, because you understand what becomes important. When the ground shakes, can you say amen in this place? The very thing we walk on, when it starts to give way, 
you start to reprioritize what is important in life. Come on. Certain things maybe yesterday you held up here on your list don't mean nothing at all right now. And I want to talk about that today because there's many things that it puts into perspective. And it might be an odd link, but go with me here. I'm going somewhere. There's many things it puts into perspective, but one thing it puts into perspective is money and the pursuit of it. Now, you've heard many sayings of money. Now, you think, well, where did I go there? Was going this way? Now, I've kind of shifted. Well, there's a link here. You've heard many sayings about money, many different things that come out about money. You know, money makes the world go round. How many people have heard that before? You need money to make money. That's a saying here. A saying I picked up is, I'm one step away from being rich. All I need now is money. (laughs) And I want to preach a sermon I've entitled, uh, Money Talks, But Not For Long. And I'll read out of Luke 12 and verse number 16. When we read a parable that Jesus spoke, it says these words. Then he spoke a parable to them saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I'll pull down my barns and build greater. And there I'll store all my crops and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, soul, you've made many, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you. And then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Money talks, yes it does, but not for long. I'll look at you a couple of things as we consider uh, uh, this parable that Jesus spoke. Uh, now we understand it may be familiar to some people here. You've heard this before about the rich man that says, I will do this, I'll do this, and your soul is required for you. And many times uh, this man gets a bad reputation. Many times he, he gets condemned. And I'm saying, let's not jump straight to condemnation. You see, the Bible says that the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. Well, how did it yield Plentifully, It didn't just come out of nowhere. There had to be some hard work. We can assume that this man had to put in the work to get the yield. Can you say amen in this place? Listen, agriculture is not an easy job. I don't know if anybody has done that before. Listen, trying to get things to grow is not so easy. I've said this before. My brother Ricardo, amen, gave me some seeds for a pumpkin seed. He says, put this up and grow it. I thought, how easy could that be? I put that in my garden. I was like, yes, a couple of days, the thing will grow up. I'll take some pumpkin, pumpkin soup. Amen. Especially he was sending me pictures and videos of all of his pumpkins, the size of my head. <laughs> I go to my garden. I see this little tiny weed. I, think, I, was, oh, hey, I was like, okay, I've got something going on here. Put a little bit of water and that's it. And I, I, I keep on going. I see nothing happening. Just this one thing. In fact, it's getting worse. <laughs> I think of what I'm putting water is in the ground. What else do I need? Ricardo was telling me, listen, I've got this type of feed. I've got to massage this. I'm like, feed? I'm like, what? You've got to, because agriculture is not an easy job. Can you say amen in this place? 
So here as we see this man has yielded plentifully and sometimes we condemn him, but no, he's the type of person that works hard. He's the type of person that does what he's got to do to be successful. Sometimes we look at people who have worked hard and achieved success and sometimes we look at them with disdain. Sometimes you say, look at you thinking you're so good. Look at you with your private jet. Sometimes those people are willing to do things that you are not willing to do. Can you say amen in this place? That's maybe why they're driving that car. Come on now. That's maybe why they're able to afford that house. Because maybe they was willing to put that little bit of extra work in that maybe we weren't willing to do. He may have had a work ethic that been able to, to take him from just having a field to now having a, a plentiful yield. He would do things. His work ethic will be commendable. He'll be taking risks along the way. Look at Ecclesiastes 11, verse 1 to 4. The Bible says in the New Living Translation version, it says, send your grain across the seas and in time profits will flow back to you. Divide your investments among many places for you do not know what risks might lie ahead. When clouds are heavy, the rains come down. Whether a tree falls north or south, it stays where it falls. Look at this. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they will never harvest. He's talking about risk and taking risks. In order to go forward, you have to take risks. So this man was a risk taker. He wasn't just idle. He wasn't just there waiting. He didn't just get his fortune by winning the lottery or some sort of inheritance. He could have built an empire from scratch. He could have started from the very beginning and said, listen, I'm going to work this in. It reminds me of Henry Ford. Henry Ford started his company in 1903. He was in a rented place, a rented residence, and they was making like one car per time, one car each at a time until he worked the place. He studied, he think, how can we get this more efficient? He was the first one to create a, a, a line where people, where motor cars can be created in a line and they just uh, uh, revolutionized how they built cars to the point where today, Ford is worth $54.4 billion. Worked it up from the ground. So this man could have had that kind of work ethic. This man could have had that kind of heart to say, I'm going to work, I'm going to work and push this forward. And that's not a problem. Finance only becomes a problem. It only becomes an issue when we put it above everything else. Can you say amen in this place? In fact, finance is necessary. In order to have options in life, you need to have finance flowing. Come on now. You want to drive a car, you need to have finance flowing. You need to have a bigger house, that finance needs to be flowing. Come on. You need to have options. You need to have finance flowing. The misunderstanding comes when the view of finance frustrates our focus. When finance begins to make uh, our focus change and our aim change, that's where the problem comes. In Mark's gospel, you know the parable of the sower. He tells of a sower who goes to sow seed, which is the word of God. And we know the story. It lands on many different types of ground. But there was a type of ground that the Bible says had thorns in it. And as the, 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 the plant began to grow, it says the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choked it out. Now I always love that, the deceitfulness of riches. Because sometimes we chase after riches, we chase after this, uh, this pot of gold, but there is a deceit behind it. There is a, 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 a if when we chase after this, we, we have hopes and dreams saying, if I can make this amount of money, 
If I can have this income, then I will be happy. Then I'll be fulfilled. That's the deceitfulness of riches. There's a possibility that in the pursuit of more options in life, that finance can frustrate your focus. And this is tempting because it is easily justified. It's easily justifiable. Listen, I've got to make more money for my family. It's easily justifiable. I've got to work all the hours God sends because I've got to provide for my family. That's easily justifiable. But there comes a time where if you do that too much, your real focus in life now is, is faded away. And now all it's about is building bigger barns. There's a story I picked up about um, um, living life on a dangerous seacoast. There was a lifeguard who, who lived on a dangerous seacoast and he regularly saw ships wreck on this seacoast. Um, and he got a few of his friends to kind of uh, build this makeshift like um, a rescue center. And they build this center and they, they, their job was to go and save people that shipwrecked. And they did that. And as they did that, because it was so dangerous, uh, the place became famous. And they started saving so many people that people became interested in what they was doing. And, and as they did that, they got more members to come and help them and save the people. And as they continued on, it got more and more fame. And people wanted to give to what they was doing because they saw they was doing a good work. And they had money plowed into them now. So now people that were members were looking at the shabby building that they have and say, let's fix up this building because we can save people more. We want to bring them into a nice building. There's nothing wrong with that. Can you say amen in this place? And as they did that, they looked at the furniture as well, say, listen, we need to revamp this furniture because we can't just have them laying on, 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 on cots and so on. We need proper beds, proper equipment to house these people that we saved. So they revamped the furniture. And they said, listen, the carpets are not very good. They're all old and tight. Let's get some new carpets. Before you know it, they had this wonderful, lovely, lovely building with lovely equipment, lovely furniture. And then it just became a nice place to be. So the members just started hanging out there and they, they didn't go as frequently to go and save people. So maybe every day before they was going out to save people. Now they're just socially hanging out together in this nice nice place to the point where they started having committee meetings and saying listen we need to change the chandeliers that we're having and they had a meeting and one of them said listen we haven't gone out to go and save people in a month we need to go and save people that's why we created this place they said yes but we can't bring those people because when we do that they're all wet and dirty and they start to dirty up this house so we can't bother bringing those people in if you want to go and do that go and build yourself another place and go and save people so as the focus started to shift inwards now people started to die at sea their job was to go and save people from shipwreck as the finances start to pour in their focus shifts to let's just build a nice social club all the while people were dying at sea Listen, finance isn't a bad thing, uh, but when it starts to frustrate focus, listen, it becomes an enemy. Can you say amen in this place? Uh, listen to 1 Timothy 6 and 10. The Bible says, for the love of money, just so I don't misquote, it doesn't say money. It says, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I find it interesting in the same book, Chapter 3, the credentials of a bishop. Uh, Paul is writing to Timothy saying, listen, if somebody wants to be a bishop, you know, they, they, they desire a good thing. And here in verse number 2 to number 3, there's a few credentials here. It says, a bishop 
then must be blameless. The husband of one wife. Amen. Temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent. And here, look at this, not greedy for money. Why? Because finance can frustrate focus. Where a bishop came in to teach and exhort and direct people to the foot of the cross, where it becomes all about money, then all of a sudden his focus can change to how can I get more money? How can the income increase? And then now when he sees people walk through the doors, he sees pound signs instead of seeing souls that need to be saved. Because when it's all about finances, listen, the focus goes out the window and now you're frustrated. Now you're just living to build bigger barns. In John 2, it's familiar that Jesus made a whip to drive out people from before the temple. We know the story. He he got angry. He came with a whip. You know, there's many things when I get to heaven. Just pause. There's many things when I get to heaven, I want to go sit in the cinema room and watch. This is probably one of the things I want to just see how that all played out. Jesus Christ with a whip just telling people listen leave my father's house I would like to see how that went down but we know the story he was there and he he, he tossed out the money changes and those who were selling livestock he drew up a, a, a whip of many cords and told them to leave this place but why did that have to happen that way how did it get that way why were they there in the first place Because in those days, uh, they had feasts where Jews had to observe. It was part of the law. Jews had to go to Jerusalem and observe that. In fact, if you're on a 15-mile radius, it was compulsory. You must go if you was above the age of like 18 as a male. You had to go with your family. And and they had to observe that. And practicing Jews came from all over the world to observe these feasts. And as they went, uh, you have to go and pay temple tax. If you're going to go in the temple, you need to pay temple tax. And because these people came from all over the world, they had all sorts of currency, different currency, Roman coins, Greek coins. They had all this, but the temple tax had to be paid in Jewish coins only. So the money changers there were saying, listen, you have Roman coins. You have to change them for for Jewish coins so that you can go in and pay the temple tax. Now, that sounds quite convenient. That sounds like not an issue. What's Jesus' problem with that? Also, they had, they had people that sold livestock or animals and so on uh, because when you came to do this feast, you had to also bring a sacrifice on many different things. Maybe you just had a baby, you need to have a sacrifice for that. Maybe you want to repent of something, you need a sacrifice for that and you sacrifice animals. And sometimes when you're traveling for fire, you don't want to be carrying all these animals with you. So it's very convenient that when I get there, oh, I can buy an animal from you. Convenient. Well, the problem is that it went from convenience to somebody looked at that and said, hey, there's money to be made here. There's people coming. Thousands of people coming. There's money to be made here. So now all of a sudden the money changes said, if you want to change money with us, it's going to cost you to change the money with us. They was making extort, they was charging extortionate prices just to change money so they can pay temple tax. So they're paying temple tax, but they themselves are getting themselves a little tax on the side as well. Can you say amen in this place? It was a horrible situation. Those that were selling livestock, they would exploit people that didn't have animals to sacrifice, saying, You must buy from us. But they also exploited those that did have animals. Because the law said when you sacrifice, it has to be spotless. And when they came, they employed inspectors to go and inspect people's land. Oh, you bought your own sheep, did you? Oh, John, go and inspect that sheep. 
And John will go, nah, man, nah, there's a spot there, bro. You can't use this sheet, man. Can't use it. You have to buy from my friend. And of course, extortionate prices to buy a sheep. Come on now. So you can see people looked at the situation. They see this is the house of God. Many people are coming here. Oh, there's money to be made here. So now the focus went from I want to be convenient and serve people. Now to I want to make some money. Can you say amen in this place? Because they were concerned with building bigger barns. I remember... Um, when, when network marketing was all like this, this, this massive high, like everyone was involved in network marketing, trading and this and doing that, or Forex this, or whatever it was. Uh, you know, people were doing with the network marketing saying, listen, I, I, I'm here, I'm at the top. Uh, listen, I'm going to recruit you. You recruit your friend and we can come. You recruit this and it'll be, we'll all make money. And you guys are laughing because some of you either did that or you got tripped up. Hey, <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about, network marketing. Some of you are not laughing because you got burned. He's like, nah, it's not funny. But what actually pained me is that I started to see that come into church. I'm going to church to worship God and I see brothers trying to tap me up for network market. I'm saying, bro, this is the house of God. To the point where Pastor Brown noticed, he said he had to put out, say, listen, that doesn't happen in our churches. He had to speak to people, say, listen, that don't happen in our churches. You want to go do that? You go do that outside. But as we come here into the house of God, we've got one focus. And that focus must remain at bringing people from the miry clay and setting them on a solid ground, which is Jesus Christ. The thing is, people see people in the house of God. They say, hey, there's money to be made here. I can do a little dealings, listen. And sometimes they try and justify it saying, listen, listen, when we do this together, we can all make money and we can give more in the offering. Please, man. Nonsense. You don't even give nothing in the offering right now. What makes you think you're going to give money in the offering when you make a million? Come on. 10% of 100 pounds, only 10 pounds. 10% of a million, come on. Come on. If you can't give when it's, when it's small... How are you going to give when it's large? Don't give me none of that. Oh, yeah, we can give. We can give more. Into- no, you're just trying to make a little buck. Finance is good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, you know, listen. Finance is good. We need it for the here and now. But focus is primary. Focus is primary because that recognizes the eternal. If we just focus on the finances, we're focusing on things that are temporal. And the thing is about life, however old you are here, the thing is about life is that it happens, doesn't it? It just happens. When we get up in the morning, we do our thing, we go back to sleep, we get up in the morning, it's happened forever. If you're, you know, however old you are, it feels like it's going to go on forever. It feels like that. I know we know about death and stuff, but it feels like this is just going to last forever. So we then change saying, listen, I know eternity, yeah, but really it's about here and now. So I'm going to focus all my attention on here and now. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure I'm here and now. Listen, the Bible says in verse number 20 of our text, God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Now I want to notice something here as I look to my second point here, that this man hadn't actually built anything yet. He said, listen, listen, this is what I will do. These were just plans. This is what I will do. He looked to his barns. He, He says, I've got a lot of money. What I want to do is I'm going to build bigger barns and I'll do this and I'll do this. These were just plans. Dare I say, if his soul wasn't required of him and he didn't die that night, dare I say that he did live and he built those bigger barns, it will only be a matter of time before he has the conversation with himself again and says, "Mm, 
I need to build even bigger barns. Because how many know when we, when we, when we go for the things at temple, listen, it won't satisfy us. Can you say amen in this place? It won't satisfy us. And the thing is with those plans, it is assuming that he can make to see those plans. Many times we make plans as if we know we're going to see the next five years. As if we're guaranteed I'm going to be here in 10 years. We make those plans as if we're the ones that ordain our own steps. But look at Proverbs 16 and verse number 9. The Bible says, a man's heart plans his way. We do that. I plan to do this. I plan to go uni, do this. I plan to get this. But the Lord directs his steps. You're not in control. And that was this man's error. Listen, in one night, all of his accomplishments, all of his plans were ruined. He made business plans and life plans, but could not control the day of his death. And that is a point for each and every one of us. We have to think of life like that. Listen, yes, we plan. And listen, I'm not against plans again. But we need to understand it is the Lord that directs steps. It is the Lord that is sovereign over all. Because all when all said and done, if we don't pay any attention to eternity, we might find ourselves there unprepared. And it's funny when calamity happens and calamity strikes, we then realize what is important. And I'm saying this, and I believe God is saying this. Listen, we need to realize what's important before calamity strikes. I picked up a story of a a Titanic survivor. Um, Someone told me they didn't realize the Titanic was real. But yes, I can confirm (laughs) the Titanic was a real ship. It wasn't just a movie. (laughs) That's why people watch too many movies, don't read no books. Come on now. It was a real ship. Amen. Amen. There was, a survivor, <laughs> there was a survivor of the Titanic um, and it was reported that 11 millionaires went down with the Titanic. Um, there was a man named Major A.H. Putin and he recounts a story of when he was sitting in a luxury suite eating dinner when they made the announcement that the ship has an iceberg. I mean, you've made an announcement. All that you know is now changed. So you have to go get out of there. you got to do something. So they made the announcement. He went back to his room. In his room, he had a box with, um, in total, about $300,000 worth of money, jewelry, and stocks and shares. He had it in a box. But as he realized, listen, I'm about to die, what he went for was three oranges instead. <laughs> He said, listen, the money seemed like a mockery to me at that time, he said. He said, I'd rather go for sustenance. I'd rather go for something that I can eat. I don't know what's going to happen to me right now. Listen, I know that's $300,000, but listen, right now my life is hanging in the balance here. I don't know if I'm going to see tomorrow. All of a sudden, $300,000 doesn't mean that much to him anymore. Can you say amen in this place? Listen, I can guarantee you it sounds so horrible, but when the building started to shake in Turkey and Syria, I can guarantee you people weren't thinking about the car that was parked outside. I can guarantee you people weren't thinking about the bank account they had. I can guarantee you the only thing I was thinking about is my life. Can you say amen? We need to understand, yes, finances has its place. It does. Yes, we need to build barns while we're here. We need shelter. We need food. We need transport. But we should not make that the be all and end all of life. And the problem is so many people are willing to to, to share or swap the eternal for things that are temporal. 
People would do anything for a job. God says, do this. It's like, ah, you know what? Mm. Mm. I don't know. At a drop of a hat, people pick up their family and move to a different city just because of a job. God says, I want to preach the gospel. Hey, mm. come on now. I'm preaching to somebody. Come on now. We are eternal beings. And we should never look to swap the eternal for temporal. We make an error if we allow our heart to be set on things that will pass away. That's an error. We make an error if we set... Listen, listen to Colossians 3 in verse number 2. Bible says, If you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. says it again, set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. I've said this joke many times. Listen, when God calls me home, listen, I'll give you the keys to my house. I'll give you the keys to my car. I'll give you my card. I'll give you the pin to my bank account. Take it all. Because I'm trying to set my mind on things that are above. Can you say amen in this place? While I'm here, listen, that stuff is mine. Listen, when I'm going, where I'm going, I'm setting my mind on things that are above. So those things have a place. Come on, I'm not being silly here. I'm not saying we should sell all our goods and go and live in the wilderness and eat locusts and wild honey. I'm not saying that. But all I am saying is this stuff is not going to define me. Listen, God gives and God takes away Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's what Job said. Because he understood, I'm setting my heart on things that are above. There's things that are bigger than this. Because there is a requirement of our soul. Just as God said to this man, you fool. Tonight, this night, your soul is required of you. Each and every one of us have that same requirement. There is an appointment that none of us are going to miss. We may not know when it is, but that appointment is coming, guaranteed. So we must never forget that our soul is required of us. And that money, yes, it talks, it does, it does do these things. But it is temporal. It is not eternal. The things I'm willing to die for are eternal things. I'm not willing to die. You know when they say, one of the things um, uh, police usually say is if you're getting robbed or if you're getting robbed or you're, you're, someone's trying to steal your car or something like that and they're aggressive, they have a weapon or a gun or something like that, just let them have it. Because how many know your soul, your life is more important than whatever it is they're trying to rob, whatever it is they're trying to steal. I want to read to you as I look at a rich, a rich relationship in my last point, in Revelations 2, verse number 9. Uh, Revelations is a deep book. Deep. There's so much you can get. So much revelation you can get from Revelations. Come on now. I'm just taking, amen. I'm just, taking one, I'm just taking one line out of here. It says, I know your works, tribulation, and poverty but you are rich. Now, I just want to just stop there. Says you are rich, but directly before that, it says, I know your works, your tribulation, and your poverty. How can you be poor and rich at the same time? 
How does that work? Though they are rich in resource, though when people look at them, the buildings are huge, majestic, they've got transport, they've got clothing, they've got shelter, they've got food, they have feasts fit for kings. Though they're rich in material things, they are poor in relationship to God. And in our text, the Bible says here that this man's problem was that he laid up self-treasure for himself. He was rich in that sense, but he was not rich toward God. So the rich or, or, or the, the richness that is enriching is when we have that relationship with God because he is eternal. And when we have a God-centered life, this will change everything we do. It will change the way we manage our time. Can you say amen? It will change the way we manage our money. That's right. It will change the way we speak to people. It will change our relationships. It will change our reactions. It will change our responses when we are rich toward God because we understand or we're looking at the picture in eternity. What does this mean to eternity? If it doesn't mean for anything for eternity, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. It changes that. But one thing it also does is it gives us a legacy. When you examine things that are eternal, you give yourself to things that are eternal, you'll have a legacy. When all you're involved in is things that are temporal, then you just follow the path of the world. In other words, you're born, you go to school, you get a job, you work a couple of decades, you retire and die. But when you see things that are eternal, you want to give your life to what God wants you to do. Now, your life is no longer insignificant. God can use your life to touch thousands of others. That through your life, people can get to go to heaven. Through your life, people can experience the love of Jesus Christ. Now, when you go, your legacy will continue on because you didn't just spend time giving yourself to things that are temporal. You wanted to invest in things that are eternal because we all have to understand we are eternal. Isn't everything else will pass away, but the souls and men and women will go on to live in one of two places. Can you say amen? in this place and sometimes we can forget that sometimes all we want to do is build bigger barns sometimes our prayers are consumed which is God give me this so I can build a bigger barn church our souls and the souls of everyone around us are going to be required Let's put life into perspective. As I said in the prayer time, listen, the day is fast approaching. I really do believe, I, I don't know, nobody knows the day or the hour. I really do believe that Jesus could come back in our lifetime. It's possible. The stage is set. We don't want to cross that line and realize we spend all our time and energy on, and, and everything on things that don't even matter. Listen, God could come back right now. Church, I hope you get what the word of God is saying to us tonight. That 
although we have things that we're concerned about here, we should have a focus that is eternal. And a temporal is just temporal. Let's live our lives focusing on eternal. Who believes that in this place here? Come on, let's give God praise in this place right now. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes in this place. Money talks, but not for long. God said to this man, you fool. Your soul is required of you. I require your soul. Then whose will all this stuff be? Where would it go? What's the point of it? I believe that's a question we've got to ask ourselves. What is the point of all I'm doing here? If you're involved constantly in only things that are temporary, you've got to change your priorities. We need to be focused on things that are eternal. Because as I said, eternity is coming quicker and quicker. We're, at the, we're in the last minutes of the last days. And when we cross over, we'll understand what really mattered in life. We'll understand what really was important in life. We need to focus on the eternity. And the thing we need to understand is that everything changed when Jesus Christ came on the scene because he came to give eternal life as a gift eternal life is a gift through Christ Jesus he gave us that view of eternity even though we don't deserve to spend eternity anywhere near heaven Jesus Christ said listen I love you so much that I am going to pay the price that you owe the debt that you owe, I'm going to pay it with my own blood. That you get to spend eternity with me. And we need to take that seriously because if we don't accept the gift of eternal life through Christ Jesus, well, that means we're going to have to pay the debt ourselves. We're going to have to pay for all the bad things we've done ourselves. Wages for that is death, the Bible says. Death. It's not going to be for five years, 10 years, 20 years. It is for eternity. The Bible says there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Gnashing of teeth. I get the picture of somebody who's like, oh man, I just missed it. I get the picture of somebody who said they knew they could have given life to Christ, but they just missed it. They thought they had another, t- another chance. They thought they had more time. I give my life to Christ when I've done this, I've done this, I've got married, got a couple of degrees, I've had my children, my grandchildren. Then I give my life to Christ. I've just missed it. I'll get my life right when I've, you know, when I've got a few things sorted out. Let me get a few things sorted out first. My friend, your soul is required of you. So the only answer is to accept the gift of eternal life which through Christ Jesus. 
Bible says today is the day of salvation because we don't have tomorrow. Tomorrow, we don't know. Today is the day of salvation. So if you're under the sound of my voice in this place, left to right, front to back, not playing any games. And you know, deep down you know, listen, you may come, deep down you know that you're not saved. And you need to be saved. You want to make eternity and spend it with Him. Spend it in heaven. If you want Jesus Christ, or you want to accept the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, you want to be born again in this place, all I want you to do is raise your hand as a sign to me. Put the hand up if that's you. Don't spend one more time. Don't miss this opportunity if that's not you. You don't know where you're to go if you're to die. Put that hand up. And Jesus Christ is come. He's extending his hand out to you. If you want that, put the hand up. Put the sound of my voice. Maybe you're backslidden. You've been moved away from God. But now you want to come back home. Listen, that's your time to come back. Rededicate your life to Christ. Put the hand up if that's you in this place. Jesus Christ is knocking on the door of your heart. Put the hand up if that's you. You want Jesus Christ, your Lord and personal Savior. You want to make eternity or spend eternity with Him. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Speaking to Christians and in this place, our focus. Don't let finances frustrate your focus. And I mentioned finances. There's many other things, but finance is a big one. Don't let finances frustrate your focus. Money has an end date. Even if you could take money with you to to eternity, you ain't going to be able to spend it. Listen, we walk on streets of gold up in heaven. It means nothing up there. We just walk on it. Don't let finances frustrate your focus. Our focus should always be eternal. When you're making big life decisions, listen, understand how that will affect the eternal. And you say, oh, that won't affect it. Well, yes, it does. It reminds me of a man uh, who, who, who up and moved his wife to Moab. They said, listen, we're starving here. We need to go to Moab. They went to Moab and they lost his destiny. Destiny was lost. Eternity was, eternity was affected by a decision he made. Listen, we shouldn't let finances or anything else frustrate our focus on the eternity whatever decisions you have to make think about how is this going to affect eternity people you speak to people you hang around with things you choose to do things you choose to be a part of how is this going to affect eternity what I want us to do church is spend some time oh just like um David, just like King David, when he went to do anything, he inquired of the Lord. Let's inquire of the Lord. Maybe you've got some decisions to make. Maybe you've got some plans in your heart. Inquire of the Lord. Let's spend some time saying, God, I bring these plans before you right now. Listen, if you want to come out of your seat, find some place at the altar, then do that. We want to inquire of the Lord right here, right now. And everything that we have, that we can make eternity. We can make eternity our focus. And everything that we do, let's inquire of the Lord. Lord, right here, right now in this place. Bring the plans before the foot of the cross. Say, Lord, what do you want me to do here? God, how can I go? Which way shall I go? God, what is it you want me to do here? Let's seek his counsel, his wise counsel in this place. Father, we thank you, Lord God. We bless your name, oh Lord Jesus, God. Oh, we bring our plans before you, God. Oh, we surrender our